mortgages can be a dry subject. So here's your oasis in the desert. It's the podcast that will get you talking and thinking, or more likely drinking. The Lennon to his McCartney, the Bird to his Ernie. It's the one and only Mortgage Stew and his sidekick Martin at the LM Experience. Hi there, welcome to the LM Experience. It's now episode 21. Keep Good morning. Door, isn't it? 21 or was it 18? I, I think Show so. Age, well, sure. That means we should have a party. Yeah, absolutely. It's our 21st. Indeed. Absolutely. Yes. Happy birthday, Steve. Thank you. Happy birthday to you too. Let's not get too... Emotional. Emotional. Indeed. Indeed. Um, Well, look, let's just just sort of move on very, very quickly because this is an interesting topic we're going to talk about today. We haven't talked about this, I think, in in, in the 12 months we're doing the podcast, Stu, and that's about protection. Mm -hmm. Mortgage protection, life protection, income protection, all that kind of stuff. We've got an expert in the studio with us today. His words, not mine. We've got an expert (laughs) with us today. And that's Jitin Vazani from HV Financial, who's an IFA. Hello, uh, hello, Jitin. Hi there, Martin. Hi there, Stu. Thanks for uh, having me on and uh, happy 21st. Thank you very much, much, And I'll just forewarn you now, Stu. I've spent okay. some time with Jissin over the past year or two, and this bloke can talk. That's right. good. That's a good okay. thing. So just keep Not an a bad eye thing. on him. All right, it'll take over. It'll be his podcast by the well, end of well, it. Why use two words when you can use 100? See, yeah, I told you. Yeah, <laughs> right, so Jissin, look, we've got lots to talk about. Why don't we just start with a little bit of your backstory. Tell us about your career, how, how you've ended up where you are um, in, this, in the studio today. Just give us a bit of background. Sure. So I think for me, uh, like almost everyone in our industry, Martin Stu, um, you fell into it by accident. Absolutely. After university, did a bit of an administrative role for mm-hmm. an import-export company, then just got bored of that and interviewed for almost every job I could find. Mm-hmm. Uh, found myself sat in a uh, boardroom for a company called CoFunds, a fund oh, yeah, yeah. market. Oh, yeah. uh, I just remember the uh, CEO at the time got up and started talking about how in a year they can have $8 billion under management. Mm-hmm. Hadn't really come across that sort of uh, size of numbers, trying to figure mm-hmm. out how many zeros in a billion, yeah. and uh, just sounded really exciting. And, <laughs> Before I knew it, that's that's how I fell into the industry. What was your, what was your degree in? Was that a natural fit to come into financial services? Uh, no, I studied geography. Not. Geography. <laughs> yep. I don't know why. That. I, What's that? That's relief rainfall and uh, rocks. yeah, working out how uh, uh, rivers are formed and right. uh, that type of sort of thing. And uh, yeah, obviously perfect fit to then go into Absolute, financial to, to, services. To, 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 <laughs> You know, I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you how. It, it was just one of the most random topics. I enjoyed geography when I was at school and for A levels and. Mm-hmm. Figured, why not do something I enjoy yeah. rather than uh, falling into a degree that I didn't really have much interest in? And so, good so, idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah, so you co funds. What were you doing there? Uh, really started at the bottom, picking yeah. up the phone on mm-hmm. a uh, customer service type role. Right. Um, but I think for me, that's when I got my passion for financial services. Right. Spent day in day out talking to other financial advisors, mm-hmm. inspired by some absolutely great people, mm. uh, scared by some exceptionally bad people <laughs> on yeah. the other end of the that's phone. That's always a good one. I always yeah. find that to be honest. Yeah. It's, it, it can it drives there. you more, doesn't it? Yeah. Have that conversation with two different types well, well, well i think for me it really worried me the fact that people trusted these people with their finances mm. and um i think from early on in my career it made me realize that just because someone knows a little bit more than you doesn't actually make them very good at what they do well little knowledge is a dangerous thing absolutely as we, as we all know so what made you then evolve to sort of you know answering the phone calls to making a phone call um, as an so IFA? just just moved my way up really really from career progression um i wasn't great at setting exams at the beginning but then i found a technique that worked and just got all my industry exams behind me so the old uh uh, uh, CII exams that the sort of they've been around for twenty odd years. Picked those up. Worked for a couple of my clients when I left CoFund, mm. and then started working upwards. Um, an opportunity arose at Lloyd's TSB, as it was at the time, mm-hmm. uh, for financial advisors. Now I know some people use that term loosely when you're working for a bank and calling yourself <laughs> you a Lloyd's. 
Yeah, well, yeah. I, was, I was Cheltenham and Gloucester. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah we took you over. Same thing, thing. yeah. yeah. So yeah. That yeah. Took us over, they ruined, took you us at a later ruined us later on, though. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, that was nothing to do with me. Um, <laughs> and, and yes, I just worked my way from there. And, and 2005 at Lloyd's was really my first contact with the whole protection planning and the protection in the industry, really. And um, mm. I think it, it, it changed my career, for sure. And uh, I think my passion for financial services grew even more mm. towards a passion for uh, protection planning more than mm. anything, really. So where did you go from Lloyd's TSB? Is that when you became an IFA? Is that uh, yeah, I, I was with Lloyd's for a number of years. Um, a short stint, right at the best possible time you could have imagined, a jump over to RBS during the credit well crunch. Done. Well done. Uh, I signed the contract. Trouble seems to follow you everywhere you go, Jason. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> if he knows how to protect himself, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I've got the safety net all in place. <laughs> um, I did nine months there, and, and, and it was pretty bad. Uh, I signed the contract, and a week later, all this news came out. Yeah. I figured, how bad could it really be? And... Uh, I quickly realised how very bad it was. Long story short, went back to Lloyd's. Uh, I was asked to go back and uh, uh, rejoin one of my old colleagues and uh, um, old managers. And then eventually when the uh, RDR stuff sort of started kicking in, (laughs) Lloyd's cut back on their advisor team and uh, gave me a great opportunity to go and hit the IFA market, which Mm -hmm. is something I'd always wanted to do. And then the last four or five years has really been spent building the advisory division of the uh, company and certainly our protection planning proposition mm-hmm. right let's let, let's talk about that then so the protection where do you stand on it you're you're a big advocate of that <coughs> yeah uh, and, and i think there's a huge protection gap in the industry and i was at a presentation yesterday and it was estimated the protection gap in the uk is 6.4 trillion pounds so what are we doing wrong how do we fix it and and it doesn't surprise me martin i i, I think as a whole protection is seen as the sort of forgotten cousin at a family meal you know the, the, the sort of if there's a space or, or there's uncle. a bit of time yeah, yeah we'll, mm. we'll, we'll bring the conversation in you know to me it's it, it, it's the add-on service that if i can paraphrase i've done your mortgage now if you've got half an hour let me just sort out a bit of uh, life cover mm. and whack that on at the end and the problem is if we as an industry don't take it that seriously why is a client really mm. going to take it that seriously i wonder as well because i mean i've obviously got a bank base you've got a bank base as well from where we started and i think certainly from my training not just with one lender but it was two different lenders high street lenders you were within a bank trained that way in terms of that the actual even the interview process was very stilted so that effectively you did separate the two into one meeting that was how you were trained at one i certainly how i was trained within within that sort of culture was the case of that it was the add-on and i think sometimes that's the progression that people can fall into without realising it, is going back to how they used to do things. Well, let, let me give you an interesting fact from this presentation yesterday from Scottish Widows, uh, and it relates to Lloyds, who would obviously connected with. <clears throat> um, and when, when the, they had the, the advice um, uh, facility within Branch, mm-hmm. i.e. you guys, front of house, do you know how many um, p- protection policies they were selling every month? I couldn't tell you. I mean, it, it was a huge fa- uh, focus. 15,000. Yeah, wouldn't, I wouldn't surprise me, Martin. Right now, mm. you know, now that's whittled away, hasn't it? The, ba- the, the bank advice um, um, uh, channel. Do you know how many they're doing now? Five hundred yeah. a month. Okay, so mm. that goes to tell you. Actually, it's probably that, that's why we've got six point four trillion trillion. I can't even say it. Six point four trillion uh, pound protection gap mm. because so you want about banks, but they had they had access to the client, the consumer. Um, and suddenly now there's 14,500 people a month not getting the same mm. service that they had previously. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, and I think this is the biggest danger. With, I mean, again, we can always talk about this in the protection arena or we could talk about it in the uh, financial advice arena, ISAs, investment ISAs, whatever you want to talk 
about as soon as the banks close the door to financial advice or really mm-hmm. whittle down their financial advice proposition, there's a lot of your average day-to-day clients who have suddenly lost that access to mm. advice. Mm. It, 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 it's almost as simple as that. Where do we stand as an industry? I think we all need to come together. And I don't mean just us as advisors trying to educate clients more around the protection, but I'm talking about insurers, reassurers, mm-hmm. you know, everyone working together to actually really show the industry or, or, or the public perception that we are a profession. We're not just insurance salespeople. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a big difference. There was a, there was a debate on Twitter, I think, yesterday or LinkedIn recently about, about this. And everyone talks about protection as sales mm. and people argue it has to be sold because people don't want to buy it and then Jitin I think you're absolutely right this, this is part of a fundamental foundation of financial planning and it's what the industry was built on from 200 years ago let's not forget that that's why we're all here yeah absolutely Bolton and, 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 and I think I cringe when I hear the word sale and you know I've got yeah. to be honest sometimes it slips out even when I'm talking about it because yeah. that's what we did when yes. we were at the bank um, for me at the moment I'm um, you know I, I live my life based on simplification. If I understand something and it makes sense to me, why would I not want to buy it or proceed with the product, yep. services, okay. whatever it's going to be? So to me, as an industry, I think we still focus on the sale. I've got half an hour. I've got an hour. How do I quickly just turn this around to get my proc fee at the end of it or, or, or get my commission at the end? And I think what we really need to be doing is we have to change the word sale to education mm. and advice. Mm. Okay, Correct. Clients don't understand that concept. Um the protection gap has always been there. Yeah. I remember attending seminars, so we were tied to Scottish Widows when we were at Lloyd's, and they do some phenomenal research in the industry, trigger uh, figures like this trillion pounds or this trillion pounds. Mm-hmm. Whatever the figure is, the fact is, if it's more than a pound, know, a pound it's, <laughs> it's really wrong. too much, isn't yeah. it, Martin? Yeah. Um, end of the day, I think for me, it's really come down to we as an industry, I generally believe, don't do enough to bring the bum on the seat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay? There's some phenomenal enhancements of what happens after the event. For example, 85% of clients who do an online application will be given immediate decision. Mm-hmm. But yet, I've never had a client come into my office saying, I want some cover because I've heard 85% mm. of clients get accepted. Yeah, It's great. Don't get me wrong. It makes my life easier and the whole process is quicker. Mm. What we need to be doing is how do we educate the client? Why do they need protection? And the concept of selling the product, and this is something you know we look at from our the IFA time, that I, uh, my time as an uh, independent advisor, everyone's moving on to planning. Mm-hmm. It's less about the actual product. Is this yes. pension better for you? Is this one? It's, well, what do you want? Do you want to sit in retirement and watch EastEnders all day or do you want to do 20 holidays? Because once I understand that, I can help protect you. Mm. So, so talk me through your process then, because it sounds like you know it's completely different from what, what I've done. I, I am the, that guilty party that okay. forgets to do the protection because I've been so busy doing something else. Sure. So I'm the bolt on at the end. So you, I, I gather you put it, you put the cart before the horse and you start with that. Yeah, I I, I think for me, if I give you the, the, the point that was a bit of a wake-up moment for me was when I was speaking to my dad about protection and he bought his house in the sort of early 70s he bought the property and I asked him what his conversation around protection was. And he said, well, the guy basically said, now you've got your mortgage, we need to give you some life insurance that if you die, we cover the mortgage. And that's really where the conversation ended. <laughs> and what it got me thinking was my mum was a housewife. So great news is the mortgage is covered. But then what? Mm. You know, there was me, you know, the best of three uh, children that they had and so the other two were there so the, the com- <laughs> yeah, I think my parents would agree the conversation <laughs> then really came around to no one spoke to my dad about that extra bit mm. now my dad was a forklift driver but he wouldn't be expected to understand that side of the conversation but as an industry I believe that had something ever happened to my dad we as an industry would have let him down mm. so to me I looked at the model based on let's put the products towards the end but the first and foremost is 
I made protection about a separate conversation. Mm-hmm. I'll introduce it when I do a mortgage or when a client comes to talk to us about general financial planning. But what we then decided to do was introduce it and just park it. Tell the client from the beginning, we will have a separate conversation. Right. If I'm going to help you get this element of debt, I have a responsibility as your advisor to talk to you. Whether you want to do anything or not, it's mm-hmm. entirely up to you. And that's when the protection proposition evolved and what I then developed was the lifestyle protection planning model. Step one is very simple. Client comes in and we just talk about protection. I explain protection to them. I cover a range of misconceptions because no one's really going to... What is the misconception? What, what do you hear from um, Clark? Uh, generally speaking, so, so, so some of the research we did was, uh, why do you not have protection? It's too expensive. Yeah. It's too complicated. The biggest one I think we'll all hear is, or, or two of the biggest ones, I'll be fine, the government will look after me. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's yeah. what benefits are there yeah. for. Yeah. Um, and I think Your the biggest day. of all, Martin, has to be... And, and you mentioned insurance, and I think this is the first thing that jumps into people's mind is... They never pay out. Mm. They're going to find a loophole and a reason not to. When I ask my clients to take a guess, what do you think payout rates are? Um, The lowest ones are guessed at 10% payout, which kind of makes you think, why are you actually here to talk about protection (laughs) if you have so little faith? But the average people think is 70 to 80. When I showed them that in 2016, it was 97.2% payout. Actually, I've got, okay. I've got a figure here from yesterday. Uh, seminar. The uh, ABI in 2017 paid out five billion pound yeah. of claims, uh, and occasionally in the Sunday papers you might see that one client that didn't yeah. get a payout, possibly through non-disclosure. I'm guessing, and yet that's what people remember. They don't remember the, the five billion that has gone from an insurance company into someone's pocket, mm. a family, a widow. You know, that's you're talking for 13, 14 million pounds a day is being paid to someone. But like you said, unfortunately, our industry will get hammered and kicked to the ground because of the one time we didn't pay. And mm. I'm not trying to take away from the fact that the one time we didn't pay is great. It isn't, because yeah. end of the day, we should be working now together to understand how could we pay more. And for me, with my clients, yes, I'm I'm, I'm really promoting and, and, and singing about the fact that we pay close to 97% of all claims. And I think I think the 2017 figure was about 97.8. So, mm. you know, we're getting closer to where we want mm. to be. But isn't it beautiful to then say to a client, let me explain why the 2% or the 3% don't get paid. How do I help you make sure you don't fall into that? Yeah. And the simple parts are, it's the client claimed for something they didn't really know what they had, mm-hmm. i.e. some lender, uh, some insurer sorry, will uh, log every single claim that comes in through the door. So if I try to claim for a broken hand on a critical illness policy, well, that just means I've not really understood what my critical illness policy is for. Mm-hmm. There may be policy wording, and you know we could talk about the definition of a heart attack. What, what we perceive as the general public to be a heart attack is very different to what the insurance industry would do. But then you come to non-disclosure. And we talk about... That's a big one, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yes and no. I, I, I think because having spent some time with some claims teams, it's really interesting how they v- view non-disclosure. So it's not as simple as you didn't tell us you had some chest pain a few years ago. It's why didn't you tell us and what are the circumstances surrounding mm-hmm. it? Do they see it as innocent, in which case they still pay out the full? A little bit of misrepresentation, in which case they may pay out partial? Or is it a deliberate? Now, in my experience, I've had a guy who sat opposite me, smelling of cigarettes, pack of smokes in his pocket I saw it and he tells me he's a non-smoker mm-hmm. okay why because he wanted cheaper premium now if I hadn't seen it I hadn't smelled the cigarettes on him I can only take his word for it I've also had a client four years prior to doing the application forgot she had cancer yeah as you do absolutely now these are the sort of areas where when you educate the client about why does an insurance company not pay because what they've read in ABC newspaper is because yep. when the client really needed it the fee insurance company didn't pay 
And that's I, I really don't think that's fair on us. And we should be out there really promoting when we do pay and the phenomenal stories, the difference we do make. Yeah, and I think then as well, it's about having that conversation about the strengths of different underwriting between providers as well, isn't it? So, for example, somebody who, who does <coughs> disclose a particular condition, for example, that's where the power of the advisor comes in to speak to the relevant insurance providers to establish how that will be viewed. Will the pre-underwriting checks that you normally do come um, to play, uh, don't they? Uh, absolutely, Stu. And, and, and I think this is where the, the real value of the advice process comes in. So going back to Martin's question, what's our process? Well, step one is we just give a protection education. Mm-hmm. Okay, lasts about an hour, hour and a half, or you know, when I get talking, maybe four hours. <laughs> but um, it's really just about explaining protection to the client. Once they really understand it, then we ask them the question, is this something you feel you would like to work with us on mm-hmm. and you want us to help you with? If the client says, no, no problem, we shake hands, but I've done my job. I've given them the right information. Yeah. The next step will be, how do we put the uh, uh, the recommendations together? How do we do the research? And of course, let's find out a little bit about the client. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing a couple of cases at the moment. Height, weight seems to be the issue. Unfortunately, some of my clients are too short based on their weight. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, what we're finding at the moment is there's a few companies and one's just really borderline. Four companies said we would rate him, and that's a loaded premium, but the other said, yeah, no problem. And that's our job, is to find the best solution for our client. Yeah, and I think that's also where there's a certain element of danger involved now, where everything is being... Everybody's being told that everything needs to be done online, it needs to be done automated, and this sort of thing. That's another area there where there are areas of advice that you can't beat in that sort of nature, isn't it? Where you've got specifics. I've been to some seminars and people are coming out with robo-advice for investments, for mortgages, Mm. for protection, and it scares me that Mm. we're talking about one of the most important areas of financial planning. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I really, truly love at the moment is I'm seeing so much more traction around protection. Mm-hmm. I think the industry yeah. is. There's a definite wind of change going on. I can Absolutely. see that now. I can see it from the providers. One of the biggest changes, Martin, uh, um, I think, is the CI have now launched a protection-specific qualification. Yeah. So they've always had. I think it was, I always forget the numbers. R O five as the protection syllabus and the protection exam but now you can become a protection qualified advisor and mm-hmm. isn't that great that we absolutely can now start saying to clients you know what i am protection qualified yeah brilliant yeah justin i've got a couple of questions for you from twitter uh okay. first one from uh andy rayner who is at andy rayner nine um justin i would like to know your opinion on vitality protection proposition he can't get his head around it, but he, he's in his 70s, so that's no <laughs> surprise. But what Vitality is an interesting one, isn't it? Because they, they came into the market, what, sort of four or five years ago, and it was very, on paper, it looks like quite a complex proposition. Have you got an opinion on that? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I think I'll agree with Andy. I do find it very complicated. We've had a number of people from Vitality come into our office to try to explain it to us. Um, I think it, it, it's dangerous when we allow a BDM or area sales manager come into office and tell us what we should be telling our clients because for me I think it's what does the client want and how does your product fit in with what my client wants mm-hmm. um, I built a protection proposition and I'm going to put my hands up vitality I think for some people will be amazing mm. it's not... some people are very evangelical about it mm-hmm. and, and, and rate it very highly I know, I know <laughs> for a fact that some When we sit there, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier is what defines a heart attack? Well, no Mm. client comes into my office and says, if I have a heart attack measuring X, Y, Z on the troponin levels, only then do I want to pay out. So Mm. to me, the more simplified my 
protection process and the products that I'm going to use for the client, mm. the more they'll understand it. The more complicated you make it, I think eventually they'll just get a bit miffed and that probably then tends to mm. lead to, pop, to yeah. policies lapsing and clients just forgetting what it's about and not really getting their head around it. As I said, I'm a simple person. I like to try and uh, mm. keep my advice in the same realm. I think the definition of a heart attack for me is walking up those three flights of stairs this morning. <laughs> Give me in. Tell you. Uh, one quick question from Seb uh, at Surbiton 2012. Just in, how can, more, how can the mortgage industry move away from being transactional into giving ongoing advice like financial planners? So from, from the mortgage side of things, it's always transactional. Mm-hmm. How, can we, how can we be more engaged with the client on a regular basis with, from a protection point of view? I, I think really just build that proposition from the beginning. And, and, and it, uh, I hate saying this, but yes, mortgages are very transactional. A client comes mm-hmm. to you when they want to buy a house. Um, and then you tend to go back to them when it's coming up for a review on the fixed rate, tracker rate, or whatever's coming to an end. But build your proposition on the back of that. What, what else is it that you offer? What If you look at your company, why should a client really want to deal with you? So for me, the mortgage was a starting point. From there came our protection planning with the yeah. client. But then it also got down to don't just do the product and forget about it. Regular reviews. Mm. Yeah, I tend to keep in touch with a lot of my clients on things like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um and if I see a change in circumstances, I'll try and use that as a conversation. Say, hey, congratulations on the new job. By the way, we need to go back and uh, review your plans. Because as a whole, we've sold a product and we've often forgot about it. That's what we do as an industry. Well, I think, yeah. I think next year is going to be a big year for protection. And I've got a feeling that you're going to be at the forefront of that, Jitin. So good luck to you. Thanks a lot, Martin. Really appreciate it. Thanks really, again for having really, us. Really, really interesting talk. And for those that, that weren't in the studio, I can tell you now that Jitin spoke all the way through on one breath. Yeah. <laughs> didn't inhale once. Well done, Jitin. Um, uh, quick question. Who's your football team? Jitin, have you got one? Uh, Martin, I don't get football. I, I, I generally don't. I don't you must be Man United sport then. <laughs> yeah. I, I've tried to get into it. Um, I think if I watch one match a year, and that's because I'm being forced to by my right. mates. And okay. we're about. You got a sport? Not particularly. I'm not okay. very sports. What was the first record you bought? That's the other question. Yeah, that's people. Was, oh, God, most people will never even remember this. It was... Um, You'll be surprised. <laughs> uh, it, it was Shabarangs. Ah, oh, Mr. Loverman. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's I see Martin cringing. On, on that bombshell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one that bought it. I'll that's our actual music it. updated. It, 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 it was Woolworths. I just remember that. Walked into there. I was so excited. About to buy my first CD because I'd just been bought a uh, CD player and uh, that CD was there. Everyone at school was talking well, about it. And well, uh, Whenever we meet again in the future, Jitin, that is now your name. Shut up. <laughs> uh, episode 21 in the can. Thank you, Jitin. Really my useful. Pleasure. Let's get Thank engaged on in. protection. Let's get everyone talking about it. One last fact from yesterday I mentioned it on Twitter today 40,000 children a year lose a parent right if that doesn't motivate people to go out and get protection I don't know what we're and it's scary really is thanks again guys brilliant excellent thanks much for listening and uh, we will be back soon with another episode of the LM Experience in the meantime you can contact us through Twitter we are handle is at the LM Experience where you can suggest future guests to come on or alternatively some questions for other guests as well Uh, we look forward to speaking to you again soon Thanks for listening, and please subscribe and follow us on Twitter. And remember, there ain't no party like a highly regulated mortgage party, and your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on a mortgage or any other debt secured on it.